0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Today's epistle from 1 Corinthians teaches us about spiritual gifts. St. Paul writes, There are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit, and there are differences of ministries but the same Lord, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. All believers receive the one baptismal gift of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit also enables each believer to serve the body of Christ in unique ways. And the Bible refers to the unique ways that you are called to serve the body of Christ as your spiritual gifts. This unity of the church in the Spirit and diversity of the church in her gifts mirrors the unity and diversity of God as Holy Trinity, God who is one and yet three. The topic of spiritual gifts was brought to the forefront in the last generation, by what is often called the charismatic movement. This was a renewal movement that had a broad impact in the church. It tended to focus on phenomenal gifts like speaking in tongues and prophecy, Tongues is the ability to speak in a language that one did not learn by study. Prophecy is the ability to reveal or proclaim hidden truth. Both of these gifts are mentioned as legitimate gifts by St. Paul in our epistle today. The more spectacular manifestations of the Spirit can provide people with encouraging and life-changing encounters with God. But spiritual problems can arise when people come to depend upon spectacular gifts. The same pattern that Father Hayden highlighted last week in a sermon on mountaintop experiences can be observed here. It can be subtly implied that unless something miraculous or weird is happening, God must not be present or that a lack of a palpable experience implies somehow a deficiency in one's faith. A dependence on spectacular gifts can blind one to the presence of Christ in ordinary and equally charismatic gifts like serving, giving, exhorting, leading, and showing mercy. See Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. Sometimes we need a revelation of God's presence and power to shake us out of spiritual lethargy. But we also need to learn to see Christ in the ordinary acts of love and service. Spectacular revelations always lead to the subsequent call to pick up your cross and follow me. Spiritual maturity is marked by a decreased dependency on extraordinary experiences and a growing awareness of the ways that Christ's love and grace is shared by the faithful exercise of less spectacular but equally powerful spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are part of the restoration of the human vocation that was lost through sin. In his act of creation, God shared his spirit, which is his life and his love, with the humans he created in his image. The Bible talks about the fullness of God. In Ephesians, St. Paul prays that believers might know the love of God which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. God is so full of love that his love naturally overflows into acts of creation and giving. The creation of the world, a magnificently ordered cosmos and earth, the mere idea that there would be birds, fish, animals, and humans, reflects God's nature as giver and sharer. Humans, as God's image bearers, would mirror this creative and generous love in their benevolent dominion over the creation. Adam would love Eve. Eve would reciprocate love to Adam. Their love would be manifest in children and in their children's children who would endlessly and geometrically magnify God's gifts of love and creation. Each Person reflecting God's love in his or her own unique way. This ideal pattern was shattered by the first act of taking. As Alexander Schmemann observes in his book For the Life of the World, the first sin was not so much the breaking of a law, the first sin was to take what was not a gift. Love and gift necessarily establish boundaries. To love means to say no to everything that is not love. To receive a gift means to respond with thanksgiving and not to take what the giver has not given as a gift. Sin was a profound act of ingratitude In this light, we understand that repentance means more than saying, I broke a commandment. To repent is to recognize our ingratitude for God's gifts of life and love, and to begin to practice faithfulness as an expression of thanksgiving. We are saved from ingratitude and unfaithfulness by God's new creation in Christ. In Christ, we receive again the breath of life. As Romans 8.15 says, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And as Romans 5.5 says, the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. It is our vocation in Christ to respond to the gifts of adoption and life by giving thanks, and by becoming givers of love to each other. For the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. We experience the new creation in the Eucharist, which reverses the pattern of sin. Here we take the creation God has given to us, and we offer it back to God in thanksgiving. And what we offer to God comes back to us in the body and blood of Jesus as the gifts of forgiveness, life, love, and grace. We are delivered from the pattern of taking that leads to emptiness and misery and are renewed and our ability to love and give, through which we become filled with all the fullness of God. As Jesus said, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, we put into your bosom. For With the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. As we exercise our spiritual gifts, we must purify our motives. Spiritual gifts don't work apart from their rootedness in the love of God. St. Paul's teaching on spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, our epistle today, continues in the next and more famous passage of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 which is also about the use of spiritual gifts, although it's used in many other contexts. St. Paul writes, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. If we use our gifts with an attitude that says, look at me with my great gifts, or if we give to others because we want a compliment, status, recognition, or a reward, what we give ceases to be a gift. We move out of the new creation and regress back into the pattern of sin. As Jesus said of the Pharisees who practiced their religion to be seen, verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Our motives are purified by growing in our own experience of God's love. We must first receive the gift in order to become givers of gifts. Our experience of God's love begins with repentance for our ingratitude, which leads us to receive the gifts of forgiveness and life. Gratitude then continues with all such good works as God has prepared for us to walk in. As St. Paul writes in Ephesians, that we, speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which each part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love.